You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Lust for Life with Mad Dog Matter. All right, my people. This is what it's about. I like to take a big pause sometimes. <laughs> Look, I'll be honest. I don't know how the fuck to ever start anything. Comedy, this, relationships. Let's be honest. I don't know how to start nothing. Trouble starting. Yeah, so that was mm. that was just me rolling with it. The pause. Because I don't want to say the same opening line every time. This isn't supposed to be cliche radio. But guess what it can be. So who gives cliche a shit? Cliche podcasting. Welcome to Cliche <laughs> Podcasting, 37 past the hour. Um... This is America's number one podcast, as voted on by Canadians. That vote has come through, and here's every the beauty week. of it. They, re- they recount every day, we still fucking win. Every day, they still do it. Manitoba's late, but fuck them. <laughs> With me is my brother. This dude, you can't see him, wearing flannel. Why the fuck not? It's one degree out in New York. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He is the ace. He is my right hand. His name is Benji <laughs> Suswine. Also, Benji Sweetwine. Also. I call him Ace Sweet 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 Wine. That's there what the that's what I call him. That's what I call the dude. Also known as Triple Sweet. Hey, he likes Imagine that. Imagine if every me. time you spoke to me, you 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 introduced me like that. It's great. Well, I should do that because ultimately, deep down inside, my ultimate performer, what I am, is a wrestling manager from the '80s, and okay. so that's what I basically am doing. That's what this is. Okay. I'm basically Jimmy. If I die and you want to move on with this podcast, first of all, you got to pay my family a little bit, but who gives a shit? Um, yes, we'll give them what you get. <laughs> that's right, baby. An energy bar. Um, you should hire Jimmy Mouth of South Heart. That's who you should get. What's he doing now? Just going to convention, signing fucking two by fours. Well, I don't know. Is that what pick? Two by fours are what Hacksaw Jim Duggan used. Too much wrestling shit. Whatever. <laughs> Mouth of the South or Bobby the Brent, but Bobby Brent has throat cancer. Probably sounds better than me now. Two weeks in a row, bad throat. Who gives yeah, a shit? Yeah, what's up with you? I can't, I can't shake it, baby. I just put hot sauce in my hot tea, which people looked at me crazy when I did it. Anyone dealing with that? My voice is better now than it was 30 minutes ago. It's true. Hot sauce in the hot tea, and it changes everything. Mm. We'll tell more stories about that in a minute. Making his first appearance as the third Mike. This is one of my brothers. Uh, he would have been on the show in the double digits by now. But he doesn't live in New York, so it's just fortunate that we can have him in this small amount of time. My brother, Peyton Clarkson, the great Peyton Clarkson. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. A wild-eyed Southern boy, finally. Mm. That's a About time we got one. You got damn right, baby. (laughs) So Peyton lives out in L.A. He's here now. We have a great episode. Coming up, our guest is my main dude, Michael Costa. This dude is what it is. He's a funny comedian. He's on a TV show called Crowd Goes Wild that I happen to be involved with here and there. And this dude was a professional tennis player. And he made it to number 864 in the world. And we're dying to talk to him about that. Okay? Because that is the real deal. There's a lot of people you don't hear about in pro sports. It's Mm. a circuit trying to break through. We're fascinated by that life. Okay? And we're going to bring it up. I've read the Andre Agassi book. And guess what? It's one of the best books ever. First six, seven chapters are the best fucking part of it. With him... Just earning enough to go eat at Sizzler with his brother. That's wow. unbelievable. Well, Sizzler's the bar, though. 
Sizzle, well, you, you set the bar at Sizzler. You're going. <laughs> well, when you're starving, I mean that's the you're thing. You're taking your yeah. brother out to Sizzler. You're doing all right. Yeah, okay. Sure. I'm just, <laughs> well, no, but, but Sizzler's not even that great. But he was so starving because he wasn't making any money. Then he wins his first tournament. He gets a few G, or maybe even a couple hundred. And then it's like we can eat. And you're on the plane. You just ate before you got on the plane. You get hungry reading those first five, six chapters. Like by the time they're eating Sizzler, <laughs> so, you can taste the shrimp. His career is mapped out just on where he was eating it's, but it's, and taking people out. The desperation comes through the fucking pages, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is what it is." And now, that, I didn't write it. Did he write? Is it a biography or an autobiography? It's a biography. He has a ghostwriter like uh -huh. everyone else does, mm -hmm. which disappoints some people because everyone's like, "It's the best written." Autobiography ever that it's you can when, tell it's his voice. Am I allowed to talk? Or do I wait? Usually wait, but you're in now. I'll wait. No, no. Well, I just saying it was written by. First of all, thanks for having me. And then, but, then, <laughs> but then I'll shut up. But this, but I, but this is a good information to have. It was written by the man who wrote the Tender Bar, and I forget his name, but I believe it's Jay. I forget his name, but the book is all about how his father wasn't around and the bar raised him. The bar, this bar in a small town in Massachusetts. Yeah. And why that is pertinent information is because this ghostwriter has massive father issues and what you learn through the Agassi. book is so does Andre Agassi, mm -hmm. which is why he hired him mm -hmm. to write the book. So it's very interesting. I will now uh, refrain from speaking and listen because I'm enjoying this actually more than me just telling that quick story. That was some about knowledge That's dropped know, right though. there. The bar raised him. That was a sniper... A talk and it was, was beautiful. Snapple fact he right took there. care of it. He came in. He goes, "Listen, my people, look at you dropping some pop culture with the Snapple fact." I barely remember that. Yeah. No, I used to pound those. Yeah. But I don't remember the Snapple facts. The only reason of late it's in my head, I go back on YouTube's and I watch these old Howard Stern Channel Nine shows, and he was sponsored by Snapple. Uh. I forgot that that when Snapple first came out, people looked at that shit. They didn't know what it was. Yeah, they lost their minds. They lost their minds, and then. You just had to convince people, it's just iced tea. Fucking relax. Right, exactly. But it tastes like peach. Think about how far we've come. Roll with it. Not only do we have computers on our phones, iced tea used to taste like iced tea. Nope. I got to say, in the South, though, it was a travesty. People, you don't, you don't mess with perfection. Well, cause oh, you iced tea right. was perfect already? Well, well, sweet was, tea. Hey, sweet tea. Right. Now, here you come in with your exotic flavors, peach. What are we in Georgia? No, we're in Alabama. We don't want peach with our tea. Yes, because you have issues with Georgia. Oh, sure. You don't want this shit. Have you done? Have you gone down south ever, Bench? I was in. Na I spent three weeks in Nashville. Did you fuck with sweet tea? Uh, no, mostly alcohol. Okay, mm. well, you can mix them, and that's beautiful too. <laughs> when I first went down south, I went to North Carolina, which I know there's issues with real Southerners in North Carolina. You don't ca tend to count it mm. because I mean, the word if, "north" in it that fucks with it. If if they join the SEC, I would have less of a problem with that than Missouri. <laughs> Oh, see, that's a big deal. You are an SEC guy, Auburn guy. But there's some rednecks in both of them. So. Once you get past St. Louis, though, Missouri is Missouri. I say they belong. Mm. They're rednecks. But um, there's rednecks everywhere. Sure. It, it, go right outside of Manhattan. you find them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever told this goddamn story. Let me hear My it. boy Justin in Vegas. Did I ever tell you this? No. The guy's very Southern. He, a Southern in Vegas? Yeah, I might have told this before. We could tell it again. Adam Carolla tells the same three things every fucking day in the podcast. <laughs> Let's be honest. Just rotates. Every goddamn day. Some speech about family values and all, all that bullshit. <laughs> some racist. Today. I love I'm him. joking. I love him. No, he does some racist too, but he'll admit it. He don't give a shit. He's prejudiced. That's what he'll say. That's All right, there's four things because he reminds you that he's prejudiced. Um, I had a, a buddy named Justin who lived in a trailer. Okay. 
And we used to do backyard wrestling. Okay, that sounds pretty southern there too. Definitely it happens. Yeah. And he had this great character where he played a Mexican where he'd put them a mask on. He knew no Spanish. He'd just go, Gambindo, but everyone loved him. We called him El Punto. Hilarious. El Whore. <laughs> the whore. He's a great character. That's, that's for another time. So he all he cooked every day was tri-tip with hot sauce and salsa. Mm. Every meal. Every fucking meal. This guy was a, and this is how redneck he was. Okay. I show up at his brother's wedding one day. He's wearing a button-up with skulls on it. I go, you're wearing this to your brother's wedding? He goes, shit, man. I wore this two weeks ago to my grandfather's funeral. <laughs> now, this is like nine, ten years ago. He just went to another wedding. No, no, no. He went to another funeral in Vegas two months ago that Timothy Styles, a guy who does our music, told me about. Wearing the same goddamn thing. The skull shirt. The skull. Like, I go, what are, what are we going to, a monster truck rally or a wedding that day? He's like, shit, man. That's how he talks. Everything's shit, man. Have some chai tip. <laughs> so one day, we're sitting on the porch. At, at a, he's only got one nice shirt. What do you say? I think he's got better. What are you going to do? I go, Justin, what part of the South are you from? He goes, shit, man. I'm from Southern Nevada. He was from Vegas. He was outside at like Henderson, which is like, a, not a sub, but that's hillbilly part. But that just shows that you can go anywhere in the country and there's a southern accent, a hillbilly accent, mm -hmm. whatever you mm -hmm. want, redneck, everywhere. It's where Cousin Eddie had his money buried it, in Vegas vacation. That's it. It's the trailer parks of Nevada, right? Which is a shitload of them. Mm. And it's just, it's weird. But like, there's, like, you, it's crazy. You go an hour outside of town, like you said, mm -hmm. people love NASCAR. Everyone just takes a New York and it's just all gone. No, oh, upstate's, hey, this upstate's a, bit, a lot of hicks. Jersey has them too, and that shocks yep. you. You go to Jersey and there's someone like, who do you like in the race? Where are you from? I'm from goddamn I feel like Hazelwood. Jersey has a lot of different parts. There's like the mob Italians, the Jersey Shore, oh, yeah. the rednecks. There's some Jewish parts. I'm running out of places right now. I think you covered them. They have black people too. I don't know if you know that. Newark. Which worries everyone else that you mentioned probably, but whatever. They need to get over that shit. That's exactly. That's what keeps them together. Can I bring this shit up? Speaking of Jersey, South Jersey's basically Philadelphia. I finally saw Silver Linings Playbook. Good movie. Okay? I liked it. I just found it very weird. Philly's pretty racist, isn't it not? I've heard. I was very touched that he had that Chris Tucker was his friend. But I'm like, I don't know how authentic this is because everyone I've met from Philadelphia. Oh, now I'm alienating was, Philadelphia. Now we can never do a live show there. Fuck, yeah, let's you cancel know that our shit. tour. Well, you it's a rehab <laughs> friend, though. It's rehab a, friends are forged in the fire. So everything goes out the window. I'm There's saying, no racism in rehab. Everything else that his family was dictating. Mob, da like his dad was a bookie mm -hmm. whose real name was like uh, Casaficio, some shit like that. What is it? Some heavy guinea shit. He was a bookie. They were big Eagles fans. You know, they were, when McNabb threw an interception, they weren't saying pussy, okay? They were calling him that. And so all of a sudden, what they just welcomed Chris it? Tucker. I like that, <laughs> but I have a feeling that that really wouldn't fucking happen because I've been told some really horrible shit mm. yeah. when I played Philly. It's like, hey, yeah. you're funny, but you should try this one. Six colored guys walk in, and I call them the N-word. Whoa, what kind of shit is this? What's the punchline there? The punchline is they're fucking assholes. That's what that is. As it gets better. Everyone says the South's very racist. Mm -hmm. Do you take offense to that, or do you then get shocked when you go to a city like a Philly or a Boston that tends to be as racist I think, as pockets as the South? I think the difference is, and I, I would say that Alabama is not inherently racist like it would be. The problem with it is that it's built into the culture, right? Uh, 
the pecking order of society is so ingrained based on race. Yes. When it comes to just the profanity and the, the calling of the N-word, I, I got to say, you don't see that much, even as a white guy with white guys in you Alabama. Never I mean, you'll hear it, you know, amongst your more ignorant uh, company. But uh, for the most part, what's so damaging about it is that people's social status is so dictated by, by race. race. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about outside of Philadelphia, like outside the stadium and the shit that goes on or even over in Hell's Kitchen or whatever, where, yes. you, where you hear that, that that always makes my ears jump up. And it's like, wow, that really just happened because it feels real. Yeah, I mean, okay, for example, everything that we do in Southern culture, if you go to people with money and the things that they do, like debutante balls, that sort of thing, Mardi Gras balls, for yes. example, there will never be a white person serving. It will always be the black community. Always. always. And that's mm -hmm. that's the way that they want it. Never one whitey at a debutante ball serving you cheese. Never once. They wouldn't never. have it. They wouldn't have it. Even a redneck wouldn't white trash it. whitey, right. wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Sounds it. racist. Like, they're not getting the jobs. <laughs> now we're so, I've never been to a debutante we don't have that shit we were just discussing that the other day mm -hmm. producer John and his girl we were talking and we didn't know what that shit is we don't have sweet 16's out west but here's my question do black folk have debutante balls and shit like that there, there are definitely black Mardi Gras associations uh, if you'll notice uh, if you know anything about the south so much of it is based in Mobile and New Orleans so much of it is based on the Mardi Gras culture so we yes. start taking ballroom dancing we took ballroom in sixth grade. We started cotillions in seventh grade. We joined high school fraternities with winter formals in high school. Then we did formals in college fraternities. Also that we go back to Alabama and join our father's Mardi Gras association. Holy and shit. It's, wow. it's, it's deep. And that's dudes. Yeah. Everyone. Uh -huh. Guys and girls, and they have different paths. And the debutantes are women coming out to society. Think about this, though. Everyone thinks down south, tough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, drink too much, redneck, get in a fight, football. These motherfuckers taking ballroom dancing. One of the things, Shocker. One of the things I'm that blew my mind. I'm my Fuji water. In, uh, in Nashville, Saturday night, there's like a town dance. Mm. Just a, a big band out there and a huge tent, and everyone's welcome. And you see like the high school kids going over the girls like, do you want to dance? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It was amazing. I couldn't, I'd never seen anything like that. It, yeah. it was yeah. out of a movie. That's crazy. But but there's a big difference between Southerners and rednecks. Now, this is Southern right. culture. This isn't redneck culture. Red there are redneck. a lot of people that I know in Alabama that wouldn't be caught dead at one of those things. Because those are rednecks. Yeah. And, they want to go know, hunting. They, yeah, exactly. Let me ask you this. You ever get into hunting? I went, I got, I got to have a friend take me one time and it was the most traumatic thing. <laughs> yes. Man, this deer, I shot it and it was basically a doe with balls. You're not supposed to shoot spikes is what they're called. And that's, Those are the dudes. But just barely dudes. Why not? What do you mean barely dudes? They're they, young. Their antlers had just started oh, growing. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. So I thought it was a doe and you get a certain amount of what they call doe tags so you can drop the doe and get the meat from it. I thought it was a doe because you hide in a camouflage right. goddamn box and watch them come out and eat the fucking corn you put down. So, yeah. It's ridiculous. With a high-powered rifle. Anyways, they taught me into doing it. I shot it. We drove like out. It. The thing, it was like me, myself, and Irene where the cow just wouldn't die. <laughs> this thing's flopping around. I'm in tears. My buddy jumps up because he's a redneck and just cuts its throat like, uh, like Rambo. I, I couldn't take it. It was awful. So I'll you, never do it again. You don't do that? No, not my thing. So you're not redneckish at all. You're a southerner. Mm, yeah, right. Fishing? Love it. Okay. Love That's it. more southern. Fuck the fish. <laughs> Let them flop around. Sure. Well... <laughs> We grew up on the Gulf of Mexico, though. A lot of deep sea fishing there, you know, and that's a good time if you've never been mm. on a big boat with a lot of friends and a lot of beer. I've done it in Carolina, mm -hmm. and that was fun as shit, sure. except for the fact that my mother, I, I was horrible fit. 
this is gonna shock you guys. I'm not good at fishing. I know I look like Johnny uh, Outdoorsman. It didn't happen. And when I finally caught one, it was so embarrassing. My mother saw. She goes, "Oh my God, my son got one on a fucking boat full of strangers." She starts pointing me. I'm goddamn 19 years old. I got hair on my balls. I don't need my mom rooting me on like this is a little league. The first time I made contact, you know right. what I'm saying? He. He hit it. Yeah, he fouled it off. Fucking relax. There's going to be another pitch. He's probably going to get lucky to walk, okay? It was so embarrassing. I, I, I haven't fished since. And before Scarred that, you. What's that? Yeah, it was just too much. So now if I caught a fish, You're I would just hear my hear mom it. yacking, he got one. Like, oh, Maron, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I caught, though, a couple days before my stepdad, crabs. And those crabs are so fucking arrogant. They just stare at you in the line, and they just slowly take the, the little hook. I feel like this is Goodfellas. What's it called? The hook? The paw? The uh, The claw? The claw. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. the, the hoof. The, uh, <laughs> the crab hoof. And, he, and <laughs> they just stare at it. Horses Clip it. Sea. You can just see their little eyes go, see that? Fuck you. I'm going down. I got a hook in my mouth. But kiss my ass. Uh, they can't uh, fuck they, off. They got hooks. Yeah. But it's, that's it. Well, that story, when you start off with my stepfather, crabs, that, yeah, that could have gone a lot of different ways. You don't think I've asked him about crabs. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> Remember an episode ago, he was the one who gave me the talking to start wearing rubbers. And he's listening now, probably driving cross country. Good advice. God bless you. I don't care what Chris Laker says. Good advice. Yeah, Chris Laker was on last week saying, uh, don't wear rubbers. It's a fucking horrible <laughs> Oh, you kids you. listening. <laughs> yeah, oh, you kids. Uh, don't wear condoms. Uh, that's a bullshit. Really, Chris, you motherfucker? Because I never called him with like a scare. I've had uh, some scares. We all have. Like we discussed. Every once in a while, you get a bump on your pee pee. Sure. You don't know what the fuck it is. No. It's jerking off too much usually. Yeah, usually. 11 out of 10. And <laughs> 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10 jerking off too much. Dish soap. Dish soap. Come on. What, dish soap breaks it out? Sure. Or just use it? I don't know. No, don't use it. I I'm guessing. What the hell just <laughs> happened here? <laughs> we don't know what the fuck we're talking Hey, you know what? Uh, the, the best cure for crabs? What? You, uh, you spray one half of your pubic hair with lighter fluid and set it on fire, and when they run to the other side, you stab them with an ice pick. <laughs> Coming up is Michael Costa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you are redneck. Yeah, that's redneck how far shit. South, that's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, real, real Ice cosmopolitan picks. right there. Mm. You sound like a character out of Midnight in the uh, Garden of Good and Evil right there. <laughs> All right, um, such an honor. We got Peyton Clarkson. We got Sweet Wine coming up. Michael Costa is going to talk about being a professional tennis player, man, grinding it the fuck out. It's fascinating as can be. I can't wait. I don't know where Super Tramp is. We might just go into it. We'll pretend we go to a break. This is us for life, baby. Woo. I can't really do the full woo, so that's all you get. You get it like when Ric Flair was calm. Woo. We'll be back. Yeah. All right, my people. We is back. And who's we with? Man, best, why am I talking best. with bad grammar? Who gives a shit? The great Michael Costa. Love him to death. Michael hey, Costa. Guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming, man. And for the this is great. The I was uh, here in the big here in the big uh, with Mad Dog ranting there. I felt like I was at like a bad open mic. <laughs> you should have heard me when I went to open mics. No. I just that's what I would do. Mad Dog, you've heard this before from me. I could listen to you for hours, Thank which he's always enter it's, it's entertaining. Well, as hell. today's your lucky day. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yes, we booked a four-hour show. We ain't going fuck. This is gonna be longer than Apocalypse Now Redux. Ooh. <laughs> what do you think about that shit? Whoa. Did I say it right? Redux, Redux. I think it's redux. It's a tough one. It just so you know, Costa does as good an impression as me as anyone in America. Oh, that's not true. So you're mad, dog. The only one is it? Is it? No, everyone does. You and Giannis probably the best. Giannis, 
What's up, baby? Is where are we from? Queens? I'm Mad Dog. Is that even good? Is that even? You really lean in the family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he family. He, he Peyton, no, he family. He good. He's what's up? You from Queens? It's, I always feel like now I'm turning into a black person. <laughs> I'm quasi a black person. I always said I'm a black comic, so there you go. It's he, he does this thing at the show where no matter where anyone's from, like from like people, oh, I'm from London or whatever, he'll always be like, it's just like Queens. And then he does this, <laughs> and this bit about Queens no matter where they're from. It's I don't great. think I do it like that. <laughs> I don't know. That's another one for another time. Um, with us, Michael Costa. Let's break it down. Let's go straight to it, man. Thank you for having me, first Thank of all. Thank you, man. It's, it's a privilege to be here, and I mean that sincerely. Thank you for having me. Well, Thank you know you one of the reasons me. why you're here? It's because you're family. And <laughs> hey-oh! It's like back Queens. city. <laughs> yeah, and we're all from Queens. All right, so you play professional tennis. When did you start playing tennis? I'm the, I'm the youngest of four in my family, okay. as many comedians are, are youngest, I find. So for me, for me, it was all about receiving mom and dad's attention and when I when we used to go to the tennis uh, club together we grew up very middle class but we had a nice little summer club and we'd go play tennis together and I was I was very good at it I was so I got all I got a lot of attention from my parents because I was like you know good at tennis it was great so I was very young four or five years old wow four play. or five and you're good right from the jump I mean I was good for my age for that, yeah, you know age. I was good for my age and and because I was the youngest Unlike the other siblings, when I was growing up, my father's business was 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 better. It was further along, and so we had some money, so then we could get me lessons and I could have equipment. Whereas the other older siblings, like it was bro you know, it was like there wasn't as much money around. Tennis is an expensive sport, yeah. So I I was both good, talented, and in my family where we had some resources available. So I had training, I had coaching. Uh, Went all the way through high school, um, was the best in the state of Michigan, won the state tournament twice, won it when I was 15 years old, beat you know players who were 18, wow. and then went on to play college. And then college, our tennis team was number one in the nation at University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. I was not the standout there. There was ballers, guys that are still playing on the tour right still now. Still playing on the tour now. Still playing on the tour right now. I'm 34 years old. I mean, these are guys... Uh, they won the NCAA championship the year after I left. I mean, guy, right, there was a guy right now who's 30 in the world who's still playing. So these are these were my teammates. But I then went on to play professionally after that and got to around top 900 in the world in singles, top 400 in the world in doubles. In doubles. Yeah. Wow. In fact, How right as I got on the train and came here, a guy I used to play doubles with, Raven Klassen, South African, was on TV live right now playing in the semifinals of the Australian Open. Oh, wow. I won four minor league events with, with this cat. Since then, I'm now watching this motherfucker on... Can I swear? You got I can mic. watch this motherfucker on Australian Open semifinals. Like, if he loses, he gets like 140 grand. Holy shit. And oh. now I'm a comedian. So what, <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's crazy that all this shit's changed, man. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. How, how far do the rankings go? What do they go up to? It's a great follow-up question, and it's normally the first question when people say, oh, were you ranked? I tell them what I was. They then laugh at me. Right. Everyone laughs at, at the number of 864 in the world. <laughs> May as well be a comedian which is laughing at which, me. <laughs> which, yes, which is hilarious because that is a great life achievement. In the world. In the world. In it's the a world. great life achievement, and every single person laughs at it. <laughs> and it's like a difficult fucking achievement. It took me 25 years to get to that point, and... Everyone laughs at it, but but it's also why I respect the fact that you asked me to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's also the beauty of this great country and the beauty of competition is that 864 ain't shit. We are interested in winning and being number one, which mm. is what competition is. So I, I understand and respect that. Uh, when I was playing, 
they rank 2,000 uh, players. But you could be tied with a, with a shitload. Mm. So when you got your first ATP point, ATP is Association of Tennis Professionals, you, you got a point. And getting your first point is, is big shit. It's like fucking your first girl. And it's that's like a win. It, it's your win. It, it's your win in a main draw of a sanctioned ATP event. Okay. Okay. So it, so, it sounds like it's not a big deal. It's a fucking big deal. You had to qualify. You got to beat this guy, beat this guy, and then I finally beat the guy. There's that's a good question. There's 40? there's no there's like. 15 tournaments a week around the world that are sanctioned that are sanctioned i mean there's that shit i mean right now right now i guarantee you right now there's one in the states there's one in japan there's one in mexico there's a bunch in europe and they're all different surfaces different weathers different if like i i used to go down to mexico a lot and play there because it was hard court but it was high altitude so the ball moved really quick that was helped me in my game i had a big serve and it's hard court is what i learned to play on but then there are these dirt rats who stay over in Europe, and it's all just clay. red clay. And they fucking grew up on red clay. And so on occasion, based off you traveling, I go, you know what? Let me pop over to Holland, and I'll play there for this week. And you meet these motherfuckers, and they just crush you. Because they grew up eating red clay for breakfast, and I grew up playing on like you know public mm-hmm. courts where it's like hard courts, way different. Well, that really adds some perspective when you think about these, these ballers that win the grand slams on several you know wimbledon on grass or you know the oh, clay and to to what you just said opens that up to it, you know how can you be that good on every different surface it, then it's like so difficult it's like we know the comic that kind of kills in like like a one room or like the right. alt room or only kills in the hacky Gross. bar show or only but it's like no you need to fucking crush everywhere like that that's what these guys are doing it's insane to answer your question yep. they they have probably 300 guys were ranked 2,000 in the world, you know, and then it was just based on points. Now I think the rankings go all the way down to like 5,000. Wow. So. And do you have any idea how many players are trying or full time trying to get ranked? Yeah, I mean, I I would. You could you could do that, like you know, you could look up every tournament in the past year and see who entered and who entered the qualifying. But I don't know. But it, it's, it's it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. I mean, it's 100,000 people. And these are the people that are trying to pursue a career in tennis. Um, these aren't just the guys that are, you know, good and college And that's what players. you were thinking at the time. Yeah, I mean, I was... I was... I believe that I could be a legitimate singles player in Grand Slams, and I very much believed I could possibly win a Grand Slam in doubles. In doubles. In, in doubles. That was your strength in college? Yeah, d- doubles was, was, was just a much better doubles player. Uh, and what I ended up doing was, and this is what a lot of guys do, and this is what a lot of golfers do, uh, my, my parents were very supportive, very fortunate, and they said, my dad was cool. He said, look, I love you, I've supported you, but you're 18 now, and it, that's done. Like, you know, you got a college scholarship, thank you, but I'm not paying <laughs> for any more shit. Fair enough. But what he did do, which was amazing, is we created a proposal and we sold shares of my tennis career for five thousand dollars. People do that now to, with to, athletes. Yeah, to investors, and we had a meeting over at my house. We invited all these people, a bunch of boosters from University of Illinois, people from Ann Arbor, Michigan, <laughs> where I'm from, and people bought a share of my career for five grand, and uh, we raised around hundred thousand dollars, and that. It's basically a venture capitalistic, you yeah. know, and and we took the money, put it towards my career. I shared my prize money with them, and there was like a ten year plan and all this shit. And eventually, that ran out, and I was done. Wow. So but uh, good night. That's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> Coming up next is a former janitor yeah. torn. But but, but one one thing that was very interesting totally was 
porn actress. When other motherfuckers have have written checks like in in backing your career, mm. it it gives it a different like. There was a lot of guys I met out there that were just fucking around. That mm. were like going to strip clubs at night and spending their daddy's like credit card. I had like a fucking board of trustees and shit. You know, right. like I, I had to like turn in minutes on like. So it was I was playing with other people's money, which was by I mean the greatest thing ever. I had I had sponsorship, but it would also with it, it kept you in check. You weren't about you had to work hard. These were other people's money they get you're using. Right. Were they like keeping up with what you're eating and your practice they, rituals and that? They they were they were very uh I would I would email them and send them postcards and be like, here's what I'm doing. But they they weren't way into my shit. No. Uh-huh. They were uh look, these were rich dudes. You know right. what I mean? And it clearly five, had money to burn. They clearly had money to burn. I mean, and it's very high risk. It's very exactly. It's very high risk. But when it was all said and done, they got half their money back. So they got half, they got half okay. which isn't terrible. I wish I, we could have at least broken even, but uh, I didn't win the matches. So. I bet they write off what they don't oh, earn back. Fuck yeah, they write it off. Right. So they're looking for things like that. Right. Mm. God, we should do that. In we a lot should of, do that. And do that with a comedy career. Dude, there's a there's a there's a golfer. Dude, it would be interesting. I mean, it's a that'd be an interesting story. There's a golfer named D. A. Points who played at University of Illinois, who won Pebble Beach a few years ago. Who I know, he's made it, and he and he did the same thing. But he's made it, like he's in. Yeah. And now these cats that invested in him years ago, they come, they have dinner with him everywhere. They're his friends. I mean, it was awesome. Like these guys provided him the opportunity to have this career, and he did it, and it's here. So it's kind of cool. I still see these guys that that were out and about, and. You know, I'm very thankful for them. Without them, there's no way I could have even done this thing, mm. you know? Did, did you feel pressure, though, knowing that? Like you said, you didn't go out to strip clubs and yeah. get all crazy. I mean, I did I, I did a little bit of that, but I tried to use my own money if I, if I was going to do that. <laughs> I mean, also not to mention anything you, 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 you file on LLC, so it is a... It is a company, so anything that I spend technically can be looked up by anyone that put the money in. So sure. I don't want to have you know a credit card down for some some shady shit. But a lot of shady shit does happen out there, especially if you lose because you got the whole week to fuck around and you're in Mexico and there's strippers everywhere. Oh, we are going to get to we'll that. We'll get there. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what the question was. Do you feel like all right? So you're about. Let's say you have match point. Yeah. Do you feel like? Do you feel closer to getting the elation for yourself, or do, or are you thinking? I hope I win for Roderick and yeah. no. Tammy and, and Jeannie <laughs> and everyone who's invested in me. For for me, I can't speak on behalf of everybody, but for me, the pressure was always from me. Mm-hmm. It was always from me. I mean, the money was an opportunity to do it, but one thing that's so cool about tennis, and I, in some ways I wish comedy had this, there, there's a ranking. There's a ladder. Like you can truly see how good you are in the world at this thing, mm. and that's a really cool thing to have. Yeah. So, and and it was really neat. And and I wish my number were were seven, six, five hundred, whatever. But it wasn't. That's what I fucking was, and I'm proud of it. And it was good. But it's really nice to have some uh, objectivity. Like, no, you were this number, and. Uh, the pressure for me was just try to improve the number. Was just get higher. Like that was a really when I got my first ATP point, it was such an elation. I was I was real. I was on a computer. I was like a, a professional tennis player now. And then it was like get another ATP point, get another ATP point. And how old were you when you got your first point? I was right out of college. I was twenty. Uh, no, I was in college actually. I was ranked on the computer when I was in college. I was a sophomore. I beat Jack Brazington in Decatur, Illinois, and. Uh, I, I had him was on my 20. fantasy team. I was you 20. Jack Brazington. I could have used that point. He plays a great player from <laughs> Texas. And uh, weak second serve, Mad Dog. Weak second Ooh. serve. Hope you're not listening, Jack. <laughs> 
He is. See, he <laughs> sunk me. It was a rotisserie league, and he sunk me on second surface. Do you? Uh, Funny do you st- go ahead. Sorry. Do you know the highest ranked player that you beat? The highest ranked player that I beat. Yeah, at one point I beat. Um, there was a guy in Mexico I beat that was the number one seed at the tournament, and I hadn't actually gotten sponsorship yet, and it was a big fucking win for me because I just graduated college. And I went down and played two. Um, I went down and played two tournaments in Mexico. The first one I just got crushed at, and then I p- drew the first seed in the first round of the second one. Mm. And I was like, "Fuck, this is killer." I'm gonna go back home to Michigan, graduated college, and have nothing to show for myself, and try to pitch these investors and go see. See, I did good. I ended up beating this motherfucker, and he was 290 in the world at the wow. time, which which was good. So then I fight, you know, and I lost the next round like really close and. But I went back and I was like, "Hey guys, I just beat the guy who's 290." You know what I mean? So that was that was big, and that helped help get me some money. Little validation, yeah. Sure. yeah. The checks start flying there, baby, <laughs> like shots at a strip club with your lawyer fucking friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got this one. Oh, you're goddamn right, litigator. Um, so let's go back for a second, though. Yeah, yeah. So you get in there, you get your first point. What's your first tournament? Well, in college, you would play in the summer. In between, it's like baseball players. So they go play the Cape Town. Um, uh, is that what it's called? The Cape Town League or whatever? It's like minor league pro- professional. Uh, so it's hard to say. So I yeah. played my first. I actually played my first professional tournament um, in after I graduated high school. My sister took me down to West Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. And I played a tournament, and I beat a guy in a qualifying round, and then I lost in the in the uh, in another round. But no ATP points, no prize money because I didn't make it to the main draw. You didn't so, make the main draw. Did not make the main draw, but it was a professional tournament. So qualifying does that still counts as a professional win? Though? Yeah, I mean it. It counts as a professional win. There's there isn't any money or rankings, but you you just beat a guy in a professional tournament. I mean. It's kind. I mean, technically, anyone could sign up for these tournaments. You know, like yeah. maybe kind of be funny if Mad Dog or Benji or mm. Peyton signed up for one of these tournaments and go he out there. But do this it'd shit. be funny. I, I had a tennis lessons as a kid. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I played twice in my life. Yeah. And I hit the ball out of the goddamn courts like baseball, which my buddy's dad, this this Texan's like, any of you boys do that more than twice, we're going to fuck home. <laughs> and it happened. <laughs> and he was pissed off and then talked to us and didn't even buy us lunch. That son Oof. of a bitch. What, did he have to go get it? What's that? What well, was yeah, he so he's an old, he don't want to do that shit. He's a CPA. You lose what, the, ball. Go yeah. the ball. Well, it, lot, you know, in tennis, lots of times you do hit the ball over the fence, like not not like Mad Dog did, but if you hit an overhead, it hits the ground and goes over the yeah. fence. And, and common courtesy is that whoever gets it throws it over. But I used to play in Detroit. I used to, I was from Ann Arbor, and we would go into Detroit and play these these tournaments because they had big public parks, and we would play. And like you would hit an overhead over the fence, and this little black kid on a bike would grab the bike, and he would he would say "fuck you," and he would drive off with your ball. So now, <laughs> now you got to play with one ball. I mean, that happened all the time. That was hilarious. Uh, then you got then you got to stay focused and not lose that ball. Was, yeah, right, was, exactly. Because then it's it's game over. You live and you learn, right? You don't need that shit. <laughs> don't in life. A lot of shit happens. At, uh, my my friend Gavin. You don't Sont- need that shit, baby. My friend Gavin Sontag was so mad at a referee one time he threw his racket over the fence. And it, and it broke a, a guy's windshield on his car. And then that guy comes out. He's yelling at my, my, my friend Gavin, who's had a temp, temper tantrum. And it's like, he doesn't have any money, but he hasn't got to pay for this guy's windshield. It was hilarious. It was funny. This a lot was of in funny a match shit. or just practice? This was in a professional match. Yeah, a this was in a professional, professional match. match. 
People lose their shit down there. Like it's not like people lose their shit in the big tournaments, but down there and in, in it's like in the Bull Durham's of the world, like people lose their shit because the stakes are higher because it's life and death. It isn't if Roger Federer loses against Rafael Nadal, he still made four hundred thousand dollars that day. Yeah. But when you lose, when you lose at the pro level, like some levels, you make zero money. But if you win, you get one hundred eleven dollars. Well, that's a lot of fucking money when you don't have any fucking money. $111. Yeah. Sizzler, baby. <laughs> People don't believe that shit. Andre Agassi was so goddamn broke. Yeah. It's So, yeah, let's get to that. So you get out of college. Well, he, when Andre was going through that, he was like 15. I mean, that's the other, that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, Everyone's I was, broke. I was older, yeah. But he was such a phenom from an early age. I mean, he was such a phenom. He struck the ball like insane. I wasn't like that. I was... I was never the like this guy is is gonna win Wimbledon. I was I was the guy that was like I want to see how good I can be at this skill set that I have and mm-hmm. possess. But I wasn't like a. Did you play? Did you ever play other sports? I did play other sports. I played soccer in high school. I played football. I was a kicker. I made a thirty-three yard game winner. It's on it's on YouTube. It's a big deal in high school. Uh, it's a big deal in high yards. school. Uh, but I was you know I only played only reason I played kicker was because my dad said uh, you right now you have a tennis scholarship and if, right. you, if you get injured <laughs> you're paying for college and I was like I'm gonna I'm just gonna kick. Mm. But you yeah. wanted to play football because you're from the Midwest. Liked football. I thought I'd be a good wide receiver. My my friends played. Uh, you were clearly a tennis guy. I was a tennis guy. I enjoyed the individualism of the sport. It's the same thing I enjoy about comedy. We're problem solving. We're y- y- completely on your own. You're solving problems, and I love that. I I, I hated the team sport mm. where other pe- you had to rely on other people. I think team sports are more fun because you got people to fucking hang out with, and when you go to the bar. There's like a group of people with you in tennis. You go to the bar and you're sitting by yourself reading a book, you know, which is what I would be doing. <laughs> yeah, there's not much camaraderie, right? There's not much camaraderie. You can develop friendships, which I have, but there's not the there's nothing like the teammate in a team sport. Because you have to play them the next day. Yeah, and that happens all the time. You play your best friend. You fly all the way across the world together to train, and then you see the draw comes out, and you're playing your best friend. I mean, that's insane. That should happen to me. Yeah. That happens a lot. And you know their like weaknesses and stuff. You know everything about them. They know everything about you. You've chased tail together in some random city. You're even sharing a hotel room. But now you're playing for three hundred bucks, and it's it's insane. It's fun. It's I I traveled to Europe with with a good friend of mine named Jeff Lasky. We spent every fucking minute together. You had to. We're sharing this. We're doing hostels. We're doing you know we're smoking pot together. Well, in hostel. Let's yeah. Just, just, just yeah. Think about that, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for noticing that. No, no, but that's, <laughs> that's part of it. It's a jet set, uh, sport where he's traveling to Europe. Yeah. And so you just assume. He's staying in hotels like that asshole and Rules of Attraction. Mm. I'd had to, I haven't done enough <laughs> obscure references this week. We threw it in. And my voice is going, who gives a shit? Okay? I do sound like Bobby Heenan now. Um, Got to go to a hostel. Oh, we were staying in a hostel. Dude, stringing your own rackets. Jeez. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's shoes got all fucked up in Paris, and he had to, like, tape his shoes. And uh, But we played each other. We both made the finals of this money tournament. And we played each other, and it was it was good money. It was like a thousand bucks to the winner, and we thought that was insane, especially because there was this like shitty French umpire who was determining a lot of the important calls. And in, and in tennis and in professional sports, it's inches, you know. And like sure. this fucking guy doesn't know us, and he can make a mistake. So what we did, and and I never know if it was the right thing or not. We said we're two friends that have been traveling. We're not going to play for a thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. We both don't have anything. So we said, let's play for $100. We play to win. We play to win. But we're going to split 
all the money, but but there's a hundred dollar bet between friends. So one guy gets six hundred, one guy gets four hundred. Right. So like Jeff beat me. It was bullshit. Actually, it was fucking bullshit. <laughs> how happened? Umpire screwed it up. We were outdoors. We That's were, what I like. Still holding on to that we, shit. We, baby. It was bullshit. And I saw him at his wedding, and I and I brought it up. We were outdoors. And I was smoking his ass because he was not a good outdoor player. And I just knew how to get in his head. I trained with this guy for fucking four years. I knew right. everything about him. He was so talented, but I was, I was annoying on the court. I would try to dig at people, and I knew how to get at him. I got at him. I'm, I'm up in this. I won the first, and I'm up a break in the second, like 4-2 in the second, two games away from this shit. What happens? Pouring rain. Thunderstorm. They wait a little bit. They wait nothing. They, the French guy goes, Come here, we're going to move inside. And I'm like, oh, fuck, because Jeff is killer inside. Serve is enormous. They moved the tournament from outdoors Plus, yes, to indoors. Plus, he had like two hours to chill the fuck out. You know, mm. he had a sandwich. He fucking changed his shirt. All of a sudden, he's like calm. And this once, <laughs> I was fucked. That shirt changed. Changes everything. Tennis. How, wouldn't it be nice if he could change his shirt sometimes during in a comedy set? Like, I'm just gonna shake off that whole 20 minutes. Let me just <laughs> let me just change my shirt real quick. So then he comes in. He beats me. Uh, which sucked, but it was nice. It was a cool friendship moment because then, like, he got the big check, I got the little check, but then we went to the fucking bank and just split it anyways, you know, right. plus minus the hundred bucks. Mm. That's wow. a good way of doing shit. That's shit the waiters used to do. You get like you split your section between the two of you. Yeah. One uh -huh. guy greets, the other one brings the drinks. Then you split the money. Yeah. But the other guy who who would just bring the drinks and shit, smartest dude around. You be the ones who get the tips. You're the one getting taxed on the shit. Yeah. Okay. Smart. Ah. Smart. Bryce, you still owe me, baby. <laughs> I know you're out there, baby. Did you ever see people like purposely blowing games for for betting and stuff like that? You know, I, at my level, you couldn't uh, bet. It wasn't on the computer. Like it, mm. it wasn't. Um, but that was starting to happen. A couple times I went to Grand Slams and I would train with the guys that were in the Grand Slam. They would need hitting partners and shit, sparring partners. So I would go there. And I, it started to happen there and they made some rules against it. But doubles was the best way to do these scams because very yeah. little money was being bet on like the Russian doubles team. No one knows who the fuck they were. So some mafia guy, some guy who knew betting would just pay, pay these kids who weren't making that much money in the first place 10 grand to throw their match and they would bet 100 grand on the, on the opposition. Right. So that did start to happen. It right. did start Tennis to happen. is it those, those single player sports, like you were saying, you like them because you don't have to depend on anyone. It's all you. Yeah. But they're the easiest ones to throw because you only have to pay off one guy. Oh, right? and, and as opposed to you know a whole football team or right for sure football. exactly right. I mean, Yevgeny Kafelnikov was top four in the world Russian player. He, he they take your best fourteen tournaments for your ranking. All right, that's uh -huh. fourteen weeks essentially, fifty two weeks a year. This motherfucker would play 47 tournaments a year. Most, like this year, Roger Federer will play like 14 tournaments. Mm -hmm. This guy would play 46, 47 tournaments. And the mafia, the Russian mafia would say, we'll take care of you and you're going to lose first round in 20 of these, these tournaments. You know what I mean? And he would just fly around the country and lose and collect and they would fucking collect. It was just a scam. It was a scam. So this guy got pinched, I guess. This guy did not get pinched. He retired, but but <laughs> he retired and everyone's like, How, why the fuck was he playing so many tournaments? And it was like, that. that's when it started to, it started mm. to, you know, it started to happen. Mm. No one talks about that Russian mafia. The Russian mafia? Yeah. Bigger than the Italian now. Has a 20% Italian. Way bigger. <laughs> Way bigger. You're allowed to say it. Well, no one knew they existed. <laughs> Because there was no goddamn movies on them. There's uh. a reason. Because you start producing a fucking movie on the Russian mob, director disappears. At, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't the want KGB's that. KGB's there. They protected yeah. themselves better than the goddamn Guineas did. 
with the Teflon I dogs feel like shit. they I feel like the Italian mafia is is romanticized and the Russian mafia would just like scoop out your eyes with a fucking spoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah I mean? it's terrifying. Yeah. It's not based on loyalty, brotherhood, that sort of thing. It's just let's fuck yeah. this guy up. It's fuck you, comrade. That's yeah. the irony. Well, plus, uh, communism doesn't lend itself. I think, I think mafia is based on a capitalist society for yes. the most part. You know, like mm. you, you take what's yours because you take what's yours. Right. Communism, that's not it, my brother. Yeah. Yes. You point. take what's good for the state. That's a good point. <laughs> the goddamn Russian mafia. Don't fuck with them, baby. Yeah. They'll take your eyeballs out. Hmm. I got a question for you. Um, you started off by saying that uh, you, you basically got into tennis for your parents. Did you feel that this whole ride that you took with tennis, you were doing for you, it was your sport, you were good at it? Or so they were guy, huh? the oh. My therapy? This is unbelievable <laughs> right here. I think... It's your life, baby. I think, well, you know, and you did something smart there, is that you, you put a strong statement at the beginning. And I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to that first statement, which was, I don't think I got into tennis for my parents. That is, I enjoyed being good at it because they noticed it, if that makes sense. But uh -huh. I wasn't like, hey, I'm going to do tennis because my mom and dad played tennis. I had... I had the most chill parents ever. They were not like these crazy tennis parents. I kind of wish my dad was a little more Richard Williams. I thought I wish he was a little crazier because I would have been fucking better. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting up here doing a comedy podcast. I'd be fucking playing with Raven Claus in the Australian Open semifinals right now. But hey, but this is to me, right. this is my Australian Open We would have sponsored you if we knew about it. <laughs> exactly. We would have had you fucking there. You'd still be doing that, that shit. That would be awesome. I want to share. I have I a share. Tennis player sponsored by a comedy podcast. Because <laughs> be we all know all our friends with podcasts, they monetize these things like crazy. You know what I mean? Are you kidding in. me? Look at this studio. This is beautiful. Dude. We're sponsored by the Russian mafia. I don't even know that shit, dude, comrade. Dude, I love... This is awesome. I, we've all done podcasts where the guy pulls out his iPhone and presses voice memo record. Right. And I'm like, yeah, this is, you guys got a fucking setup here. This is sick. Are you kidding me? I've had that done as a podcast from someone who's on Saturday Night Live. That's, that sucks, Makes man. fucking money. That sucks. And he's like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Sure, when are we doing it? Right now. Right We're now. in a bar, Mike. Yeah. What is this shit? We're driving, yeah. So I I always was in it for me. Uh, I was not, but you know, it was always more fun calling my dad and saying I won than saying mm -hmm. I lost, but he supported me, you know, any, you know either way. So know? when you got out of tennis, was that a big deal for you? Like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I devoted my life. I, I, I got out of tennis because I was offered the assistant coaching job at the University of Michigan men's tennis team, and which is where my parents... It's not getting out of tennis. It's, it, yeah, it's not getting out of tennis, but it's getting out of it, my individual competition. But the reason I bring that up is because my parents lived in Ann Arbor. University of Michigan is this great university. So it was a little bit easier for me to say to them, hey, I'm leaving personally competing so I can do this other job right. that you'll be proud of me for. What was different was leaving that job mm -hmm. to do comedy. Mm -hmm. I, I used to tell the joke on stage, but my literally my mom, she she didn't know how to handle it, and I went over to her house, and she was reading a book that was titled "When Grown Up Children Disappoint Us." Oh I mean, no! It's, it's, it's a oh real it's a real fucking book. This is funny. But <laughs> she that saw was the like, writing on the wall. Yeah, it's like it's writing's on the book. I mean, it's fucking like. <laughs> Right there. That was funny. Well, let me ask you this. Did you at any point have to call in your investors and say, you know, sit them around a table and say, we gave it a good run, didn't we, fellas? Absolutely. Let's, let's, go, get a, let's go get a beer. I called each one of them. I called each wow. one of them, and, and absolutely I did. I mean, that was at the very least what I owed these guys. Did you any know? of them give you any grief about one, it? One, one guy did. He was upset because, understandably so, he, he wanted – he wanted a longer opportunity for him to make his money back. Sure. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, it was pretty simple, though. It was like 
the company's bankrupt. You know, like uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I believe in the product, but um, you either want to give me more money. You know, it's like it's the same thing a business does. I yep. mean, you know, we sales were down. What do you want me to do? Uh, so, um, but everyone was very supportive. I had one guy, uh, rest in peace, who literally who 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 passed away just recently. But he he was like, "How much do you need?" He's like, get, get, "If you want to get back out there, you deserve this." And this, there's just, he owns a winery in fucking Napa and he's just, he pursued his dream and did this thing and is like, doesn't let other people give up on their dream. It was amazing. And I didn't let him do it because I was done. I was out. But good did, fucking Did that dude. take a lot for you to realize? Um, it was a little bit hard, but, but not, it was like, dude, it was like, I, I did it. I went there and it's fucking close to impossible, uh-huh. you know? And maybe that was my skill set. Maybe that was my work ethic. I don't th- don't believe it was my work ethic. I believe it was my skill set. It is fucking amazing how tough it is. I mean, and I sometimes think is is comedy that same hard? Because if it is, that's crazy. Because the tennis thing was insane. How I mean, these guys are so fucking good. Like, and I was fucking good. You know, like in these cats that I would see watch and play, I was like damn what the shit they can do with this small amount of space with this tiny yellow ball and i love that tennis has the country club sport thing because it is it's a rich kid sport but the way these people compete is not country club it's fucking raw shit and they're doing anything to win and it's it's fascinating another beer another beer yourself. you deserve it <laughs> <laughs> real quick i think i'm going to go to the to the doctor. This is ridiculous. Is your yeah. throat? What's going on, I got Mad nothing. Dog? Does it sound horrible? Get Should some I, hot sauce. I can't get in the office. <laughs> I was going to go. Uh, that's why I left. Oh, wow. Do you, do you have health care? No, man. I'm just you a had, scab. You can't, have not, you can't not have health care anymore. I didn't sign up, baby. What about a... I'm a scab. We'll cut that part out, but... <laughs> No, but what are they going to do? Hunt me down? Yeah. What, are, <laughs> be oh, great. No, what is this, Germany yeah, back the, in the day? <laughs> fuck them, baby. One more listener. Yeah. <laughs> We could lose those listeners. But everybody gets health care now, don't they? No, you don't well, you get have it. to pay for it. Yeah, you got to pay for it. That's it's like I'm saying. Insurance. You can't get away with not paying for it. Right. You have to have car insurance, but if you don't make the effort, you just don't have car insurance. Yeah, right. Correct. I feel horrible that you come to do the show, and I sound horrible right no. now. No. Mad dog. You're I fine. sound like Dick Vitale at the end of like a week where he had to cover <laughs> five fucking big games. Are, uh, am I... Do you want me... Can I mention the the... The job that we sometimes do together yeah, over brothers. there. So this guy does a phenomenal job. He, you. you know what he does? He warms sure. up the audience for this show that I'm on, and it is thankless. It is, it is never ending. It is, I mean, you got the same people half the time every day. Sometimes you get like a whole bunch of high school kids that don't want to laugh or they don't do anything. Goddamn, they don't give a goddamn. But this, this, that is a tough gig. TV warm-up is a tough gig. They wouldn't dare let their friends see them laughing at something oh, and present yes, themselves as yeah. possibly uncool. Kids think who they are, baby. Sure. They think who they is. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's corny when you're like 18. Sure. But it's corny. Nothing's funny at 18? Yeah. I think, what was I watching? I'll tell you what's corny. Having your asshole hanging out from your pants while you're just looking at Twitter the whole goddamn time. That's fucking corny. Go out and be somebody, baby. They are. They're way too hooked on that fucking phone. I don't know. I mean, I know we are too, but I don't know what's... You know, when I was playing tennis, let's get it back to me real quick. When I was playing tennis, there were were no cell phones. There were no cell phones. I used to fax... My entries into the ITF of the International Tennis Federation office in London. Facts. And if they didn't get your facts, you didn't get entered into the tournament, which means you had flights booked, all that shit booked. It was insane. Now they're all like, you can get on your smartphone and, and send it. I mean, it's right. so much easier. Sign up and, 
book travel. I used to land places. You remember this? And I'd have to pull out my folder of all my confirmations. You know, here's yes. my rental car. Here's my directions. Like now it's just all that shit is in your pocket. It's insane. Yeah. It's wild, man. Where's it going? You know, it's, it blows yes. my mind to think about how quick it happened. And it's almost like we can't write the rules fast enough to figure out where it's going. Mm -hmm. Just straight to our brain. It still blows my family away when I when they drop me off at the airport. Where's your ticket? Where's your goddamn yeah, ticket? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to swipe my card. Right. Open. Wait a minute. No, I'll no, tell no. You what? I was bugging out. That just happened to me. I'm like, I don't have a ticket or a boarding pass. I'm showing up to an airport, and everyone's like, Yeah, that's normal now. That's normal. It's oh, unbelievable. Blows me away. Yeah. Swipe the card, but I got like all the tie-ins. Okay, your cousin Gina has got a computer. We got a computer. <laughs> right. She's got this right. printer. You heard of them? Everyone acts like <laughs> like you haven't heard of it yet. It's like I already got a smartphone right. that will like print pictures of me. Well, now you can even take it. It's got a code on the actual phone, and you yeah. show the woman at the gate your yeah. phone, and she puts that under the little reader, and you walk in. There's wow. no paper. Fuck paper. Sounds safe. Fuck paper. <laughs> safe trees. Fuck paper. It was also easier back when I when I was playing. Like change fees weren't that much of a big thing. Like you could just change your flight. So if you lost Tuesday and your flight was Friday, you you, you don't think about these individual sports, golf and all this shit. You, you got to book your travel, but right. you have no clue when you're losing. Like you have like you have you never know when you're losing. You never know how many nights hotel. So you're stuck. You're stuck. And or even worse, you had to almost bet. On when you're gonna lose, like you have to almost mm. be so honest with yourself right. and go, "That's a tough tournament. I bet you I'll lose third round." And 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 you can't say that's poor. Like you can't say you don't have confidence in yourself. There's a reality to the financial situation right. that you need to. And if it's insane, and, and and so like sometimes I was in Mexico City, and I had a good week, and the hotel was like I booked it till Wednesday, and I needed to be there till Friday. Well, guess what? Wednesday the hotel was sold out. So here I am, just won my match, sore as fuck, need to get a like, massage, chill out, relax, and I got to go find another hotel in this Mexico City. and go. Now I'm dealing with fucking hotel shit. Sure. These guys are not, the big guys you see on TV are not dealing with hotel shit. They someone, have, someone else is dealing for, with they that. Have they Arliss. got a guy. Yes, they got Arliss, exactly. Yeah, they got a guy. <laughs> they got Robert Wool. <laughs> not even Arliss. Robert they have Wool. a comedian negotiating for us. <laughs> Hey, uh, can I get three rooms? And also, why are you here? What's with the uh, with flying coach these days? <laughs> Do you think the uh, the time commitment and also the grind that you're talking about helped you out for comedy? That you're expecting absolutely. it to be hard? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, th there's these there's these kids in Russia who they don't even have a tennis court. Their dad puts a, a rope up across a, a parking lot and they play tennis. Oh my god! And it's like you see the hunger on their faces, and you know that's part of what I saw. As I saw these kids hunger, and I was like, I don't have that. Right. They talk I, about Djokovic, you know, with bombs exploding dude. around him. He'd have to leave matches and go take cover because they're, you know, it, what it, is it, Serbia? Yeah, the, the Serbo-Croatian War. I mean, sure. he he literally, you know, read, he would leave his practice and go hide in a bomb shelter. Yeah. However, there's also the beautiful part about tennis. Then there's Roger Federer, who grew up Swiss. Exactly. And his parents were wealthy, and he's, you know... But they they are now two men who compete with insane levels and are competing against each other. Right. So, um, I the, the work ethic. The, the biggest thing that helped me with comedy was in tennis. You lose, and when you lose, it's it is personal. It's supposed to be personal. It's 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 hard. It hurts. You lost. It's individual. But you lose every week, and in comedy, 
you fucking get hit in the mouth sometimes. You know, you go up, you get punched in the fucking face. You get punched in the face, and uh, you just you know, need to know how to how to handle it. And tennis helped me handle that. Mm. Huh. Yeah, let's talk about your transition. So you're a coach now at Michigan. Yeah. How long you do that? And do you go anywhere in between coaching and comedy? Showbiz. Um, I... I coached in Michigan for two years, and that's when I started doing open mics as a coach. I want I wanted a creative outlet when I was done with tennis and at night, and I would go do open mics, and I just fell in love with comedy. And then after two years of doing that, I got into some like super small festival, the Washington D.C. Comedy Festival doesn't even exist. I don't even know if it was a thing in the first place. I got in, but you know, you hear you, you get some into some dude's backyard. You no, know, you get it. You get into these, center, baby. You get yeah. into these things, and, and and you want it to be your career so badly that that you're like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. And my co my head coach at the time, my boss, uh, wouldn't let me leave and go do it because I had to coach. I had a job, I had a full time job, and he he was he he was being right, he made the right decision. But I just said, fuck it, I'm out. I'm gonna go pursue comedy. But here's the best part about doing comedy and having a tennis background: I could teach tennis on the side and make mm -hmm. way too much money so many and i and I, I sympathize with so many comics there's these beginning years and it can be two years it can be 15 years where you are just grinding out to make any bit of money possible you know working in a restaurant or whatever i was so fortunate because i could make 80 bucks an hour teaching tennis for three hours a day and that's enough money to then go focus on comedy. Sure. It just gave me, it, it sped things up so much for me. And how many days a week were you doing that? I would literally teach, I would, be, I would charge $80 an hour, and I would teach about 10 hours a week. So I would do three. <laughs> nice country, baby. Dude, it was insane. I would do like three, four, three. And like I would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I would get in my fucking car Thursday morning and I would go feature all around the Midwest for like a hundred bucks. But I would just mm -hmm. say yes to everything. Sure. Because right. I had the money. Because I could I had the teaching money. Com money, I know money is important to comedy. Like you, I hate the people that say it is. It fucking buys you time and it helps yeah. move things along for you. You it, you know, it really made things easier for me. So you're out Jeez. in the sunshine. Most tennis clubs have those little fruit bars that are frozen. You're eating those. <laughs> I wasn't. I w it wasn't like that. But I would have been nice. Where you where <laughs> you come from down there? That's what it's like in Michigan. It's like fluorescent lighting indoors. Oh, you know what I mean. I was I was teaching like the Michigan Tennis Center, but I played a lot of tennis down down by but down by you. Uh -huh. It's hot. It's fucking hot, dude. In <laughs> Michigan, super hot. The tournaments are sponsored by Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get a trophy. You get yeah. like a dead chicken. <laughs> On an arrow. I appreciate you guys listening <laughs> to this tennis stuff because because tennis gets beat around a lot. You know, it's a, a pussy white guy sport. It's but a great sport. It's a great sport. It's a great sport. Like I, I was it. saying, I'm from Vegas. We yeah. got the UNLV Runner Rebels, which don't do shit really in basketball no yep. more. The football team went to its first bowl game in years. Mm -hmm. Got the shit beat out by North Texas. Yeah. North. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. What conference they play in? I don't know. There you go. No one fucking knows. <laughs> but it was an accomplishment, us getting there. So, Andre Agassi, um, I would stay up late and watch Australian Open. Yeah. Him versus Sampras, my grandfather. Ironically, this is his birthday. Yeah, pops. Much love, much love. And uh, it was a big deal to us. It was a bonding moment because that's, we didn't have much. And we had Greg Maddox, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But he went to is a rival Greg high Ma school. Is Greg Maddox from Vegas? Yeah. yeah, but he went to Valley. So, fuck him. So, fuck I'm him. I'm Chaparral, baby. I'm a cowboy. Fuck them Vikings. Agassi has been a great, great ambassador to not just the sport, but to how to be a professional athlete. 
no one's given more money away than him. Of That's all the cool. fucking big wigs in NFL and NBA, no one's given more money away than fucking Andre Agassi. It's insane. Mm-hmm. He's he's killer. I feel he, I feel like he felt guilty about his career being so good. Maybe he, he, it almost seems like he didn't even like playing tennis. He hated tennis. He hated tennis. When he going out on really? meth and things like that. Just yeah, he was he, just, he, 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 was, he, he did meth. He was doing he was doing meth for a little bit. Nike. Nike dropped him late, late in his career, and, and he he took on Adidas because he had a part of his contract was you need to make a massive donation to my high school, and uh, Nike po- politely declined, and Adidas was like we will definitely align ourselves with you and that high school, and huh. so it was wow. interesting. So he left Nike in the middle of it. My dude, my dude. All right, we got we got to wrap up because no, it's rope, okay. and, and he's got to get going. Um, real quick, tell us about the nightlife, real quick. The yeah, night, tennis. well, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty uneventful because you got to wake up and you got to eat and you got to, you know, you can't, um, you got to keep a schedule for the most part, you know, and lots of times you play at like 10 or 11, so you, you can't be crazy. But typical athlete fashion, when it is time to let loose, you go like full out, you go all the way all night. So the craziest night we ever had was in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. We missed we missed our 1 a.m. train back to our city, and the only way we knew what our city was was our friend, who was Japanese, wrote our stop in Japanese on a piece of paper. So every stop we would go, we would hold up the, the card to, because nothing's in English, we'd hold up the card up to the thing, and we'd be like, all right, there's two triangles and three slashes and four <laughs> squiggly-doos. That's the only way you would know, because you can also speak Japanese. But we stayed out. We walked into this bar, and the, if you ever want to get fucking fucking laid, go to Tokyo. Look like we all look. They love the American guy. We walked in. They just follow. They followed us around. My friend fucked some chick in the bathroom. Um, Tokyo was Tokyo was insane, uh, and Mexico's insane. But in Mexico, you, you can get killed. Oof, I didn't get killed. Something's going on around the table right now, guys. Just so you know, I think think they're they're asking me. They're asking me some autographs. Question from our fans in Canada. Got it. Best city for tennis groupies. Oh, okay. Montreal. Montreal is a great city for Montreal is a great city for tennis groupies. Wait, can I can I say real quick? I was I was watching TV with this girl the other day, and there were men being interviewed, and they were obviously athletes. And she said those are either going to be, I guarantee you, pro soccer players or pro tennis players. Okay. And they turned out to be soccer, but women, soccer, uh, tennis guys have a look that I, I imagine there are groupies that that just fall all over you. There was every. You guys are tall. You're you know. Well, again, in shape. I'm not playing in the tournament that's on t- TV, but every tournament we played, there were chicks. That were like the tent were like the, the club groupies, the chicks that would roll up. Every tournament, these there'd be some chicks that were sitting around watching tennis. And in, in the States, they would always fuck the Australian guys. The Australian guys, I don't I can't believe the Australians, I mean, they just fuck everybody. I mean, they, they, there's always and sometimes like we were in Southern California, Laguna Nigel one time, and they they house you. They put you up at their homes. So now these fucking big wig millionaire dudes who have these mansions, they go to work, and now you got two professional tennis players in the house with your hot wife. I mean, these guys were fucking wives. It was crazy. Mm. It, 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 it was crazy. Um, I didn't get too into it, but a couple times some shit went down. Mm-hmm. I made out with a chicken naked 
with my penis inside of her in Mexico. Uh, and we were on the beach and we looked up and there's two federales with the machine guns and they're telling me you can't make out on the beach and you got to, you know, there's like a fine, of course, you pay immediately. Yeah, on the spot. <laughs> on the spot. Sure. So we, we uh, I paid these, Mexico. I paid these cats, but uh, that was like, the biggest night is when you lose your last tournament and you're about to fly home. That's mm. always the big night. Mm. It's like the Olympic Village. It's Olympic almost. Village. Sure. It's Olympic they Village. They go crazy there once they're But again, done. subtract everything to the minor league level. Sure. This sure. is not the Olympics because we, we weren't the top 10 in the world at our profession. It was like, right. it's like comedy. It's kind of like a comedy club, except it, it you're doing a thing that's physical fitness. So you can still always get laid, but they're just not like... It's like kind of nasty chick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Another question. This okay. one from Vegas. From Vegas. Okay. Gotcha, uh, I got you. What was the drug use like on tours? What'd you see? I saw nothing. I saw really? no drug use whatsoever. We we were drug tested for one. Oh right. Drug that tested like crazy. And any steroids? I didn't see steroids. If I would have, I would have bought them and I would have used them because <laughs> I, so. I needed it. I mean, you tell me if a pro athlete. Every fucking guy out there would have taken something to help him. No fucking question. Mm -hmm. And some guys were. One guy was, I didn't know it at the time, he shot up and he got suspended last year from the ATP, this cat that he was winning and he got suspended and everyone's like, he's on, he's on. Banned for life. He wasn't banned for life. He was banned for a year or something. <laughs> he was not banned for life. But Tennis, step up. Your, yeah. Your drug policy. Yeah, step up your drug policy. But I never used. I never, never used. used. I never saw it. Because he loved Nancy Reagan. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there no, he is. it's because it wasn't available. I didn't know how I could get I, How do you get steroids? Like, I mean, how did you guys, honestly, does it, I know we can get recreational drugs. Find, but They'd but, find you at that point. And I guess Go if, to tournaments and like, hey, you, you're playing at a pretty shitty tournament. Yeah, hey, you, I just saw your <laughs> forehand. It sucks. Right. Here's Slow some fucking forehand shit. pills. Imagine yeah. a guy with a coat in a dark alley. Yeah. <laughs> Kiddo, come here. Hey, come here. You want to win this match? Let's see your backhand. Hey, let me shoot this in your ass. It's not weird. It's not what you think. <laughs> I used to see guys shooting up at the Crunch Gym and uh, over in Hell's Kitchen. Really? Yeah, in the in the locker room, I'd see them shoot, putting syringes. Some I never saw that. But at the Crunch Gym and Sunset and Crescent Heights, uh, you'll see guys shooting up in each other. But it's but it ain't not, it ain't it syringes ain't if you know what I'm talking. About. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, yeah. I that go place there. is so gay. That place is so gay. Oh yeah, it's gay. Well, that's a good place for us to stop. Uh, <laughs> Costa, I love you to death. Guys, um, thank you. I appreciate not only having me on, but I also appreciate in a in a candid and respectful manner speaking about the sport that I love the most. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sorry my voice was fucked up. I love you so much. It's because you're doing a good job at CGW, buddy. Well, I appreciate much that. Much love. Plug whatever you need to, my man. Uh, <laughs> Twitter. Website, uh, Twitter, shows. Michael Costa, K-O-S-T-A. And if you have Fox Sports 1, which I'm sure you do, please watch us every day, 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 called Crowd Goes Wild. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and you can see me sometimes. Yeah, you can sometimes. see Bad Dog. Yeah, you can see him. We get you on there. Clapping next to some broad <laughs> from like Cincinnati. Drooling. <laughs> oh, there's some hot broads there, baby. But I just think it's Pandora's box if I try and get him. <laughs> Bench, hit it, baby. The best of oh. BS on Twitter. But please, please, please check out Stand Up New York Labs. We got a whole podcast network with great stuff. It's blowing up. So jump on board. Today, actually, was the most listens we've ever gotten a day. We got like 30,000 listens. That's today. insane. Congratulations. Which was really yeah, we were super pumped about that. We got a special promo code LUST for all our Lust for Life fans out there. Half off all our tickets to any show. 
Uh, come to shows. Check out our, our lab. And uh, thanks for listening, you guys. We really appreciate it. My dude. Hey. B-Dub. Hey, hey. Guys, again, man, like uh, to reiter- reiterate, Michael, what a pleasure to be here. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. It sounds better when he says it, huh? That sound- <laughs> accent, baby. Yeah, accent's mm. amazing. Any plugs? Uh, at Peyton Clarkson. Peyton like Manning, Clarkson like Kelly, spelled that same way. So uh, at Peyton that's, Clarkson on Twitter. That's his Twitter bio. I would, I would use that to pick up broads. Yeah. Uh, I'm Peyton Clarkson, Peyton like Manning, Clarkson like Kelly. You're going to get somebody. Wet badges. <laughs> you cover really your... It's a wet wide badges net. right there, baby. <laughs> um, at Mad Dog Matter, Mad Dog Matter on Facebook. February 18th, live podcast here at Stand Up New York slash my birthday party. 8 p.m. Save your voice for that. Yeah, I'm going to go to a doctor. Don't say nothing until then. My roommate Anthony has a doctor in, this is going to shock you, in Astoria, Greek land, named Socrates. <laughs> I'm going to go see that motherfucker. Uh, exactly. Or if I want a cheaper version, I'll go see his protege, Plato. I don't give a shit. Um, so come to that. It's going to be 8 p.m. Savage Animal. My roommates, Anthony DeVito, Greg Stone, are going to do the warm-up together. We're going to bring back two third mics and two former guests. And we're going to do a cross. It's going to be a mashup. We're going to have someone interview someone they didn't before. Live audience, interaction, drinking, Sick. cake, who giving a shit, strip club after. Done. Exactly. Done. Um, I'm sorry I sounded like Wow. <laughs> this whole goddamn pretty girl with cat face now. Too young to go get the cat face. Mm. The fuck, whatever. But she got a voice like this. What are we going to do? Till next time. We love you. Thank you for listening. You're all worth a million. It prizes. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs>